Hello, hello. Hey, you hear me okay? Yep, hear you good. What about this one? Corpse fucking. Corpse fucking. Yep. All right, so I did the test call, and I'll probably include that in the recording, because, uh, spoiler alert for this review, I don't think we're going to have a whole hell of a lot to say. No. <laughs> uh, my wife, once again, watched the movie with me. And, and I'm sure uh, she was not it, happy about it. This is now the only the second I'm time she's watched I'm taking another the, dick. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's the only second time she's watched a movie with me, the other one being Night of the Lepus. And she goes, I, I just choose the worst movies to watch with you. Yeah, um, if... There's going to be a movie that your wife is going to watch with you in the future. You should yeah. probably text me real quick and be like, hey, you think my wife would like this? And I will usually <laughs> respond with, oh, no, 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 that's not for her. Because this was shit times 20. <laughs> I don't know about that, but. All right, all right. This was shit times five. How's that? No, there's still some good things to say about this movie. God damn it. Why don't we just stop beating around the bush and we'll just fucking do it? Let's get into it, man. <laughs> all right. The following show will destroy your self worth with excessive expletives, overtly descriptive sexual deviance, and more desperation for external validation than any so called entertainment should ever be allowed. Talentless losers who are about as insightful and provocative as a comatose jellyfish. Cinema Psyops. A tendency to deprave and corrupt those whose minds are open to such immoral influences and to whose hands a publication of this sort may fall. So if someone of a dirty bird gets hold of your stuff and it makes them a dirtier bird, then it's labeled obscene. Encouraging the lowest, most base, and animalistic of desires to all who will listen. Because we, as a society, have decided that a cinema psyops represents our base and vulgar impulses, and that acknowledging our use of it rattles our collective conscience. I was trying my best to make a positive impact in the lives of others, but secretly I was involved in a relationship that was taking over my life. Cinema Psyops. It was leaving me wounded and depressed, unable to even manage the relationships that mattered to me. Auditory vermin infesting every aspect of the human condition, spreading their filth and foul disease. The Black Plague Podcast. Cinema Psyops with Court and Matt. Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court. Joining me via the bunker because of some stupid fucking sports ball game is Matt. Hey, hey, hey. I'll have you know things that happen in sports ball that don't even, like, help affect my real life in any way, shape, or form are still important to me, damn it. Yeah, uh, sure. And you're just lucky that we're talking the movie we're talking this week that I said, yeah, we can do it on Sunday because Matt was trying to get this done on Christmas Eve and my wife was like, fuck you, that's not happening. Listen, not only was your wife saying that, like, that's not happening, my wife overheard me and I almost got divorced. <laughs> yeah. She was like, fuck you. So like, oh. the dumbest suggestion you could have possibly made within earshot of either of our wives was heard by both of them yeah. at the same time. And I was immediately like, no, I don't want to fucking see you on Christmas Eve. I want to fucking it, Scrooge all over the place. It, I was about to say, it's so weird. Like, I would think like you would give two rats asses, but... 
No, the holiday of Christmas actually means something to me for the fact that it means something to my wife. So it's like, by extension, she gets all holly jolly, so I have to as well. I got you. It's not like a requirement thing. It's just like infectious. Like her Christmas cheer is like... It's insidious. Yeah, it's like a drug or like a disease drug vector thing where once you pop, you can't stop. So she's kind of gotten me into the spirit. And again, I'm talking Christmas because it's the holiday that we're celebrating we're recording this on the day of the release of our cannibal holocaust episode so which is our christmas episode right which is our christmas episode but i tried to time it so that it actually comes out before the official start of hanukkah i believe i think monday is the start of hanukkah i believe Uh, you're right yeah and then like the 22nd is the start of hanukkah is that right it's today the 21st i don't even know what fucking day today's the 22nd okay so tomorrow the 23rd is actually the start of hanukkah this year i believe and then christmas eve is tuesday and then wednesday is is Christmas and then is Kwanzaa? Kwanzaa is the 26th, right? I believe so. Yeah, uh, I, I would have no idea, but that sounds right. Yeah, so basically, all of the holidays within this week, whatever holiday you want to celebrate, I would highly recommend that before you do that, preferably the eve of the holiday, which why I'm releasing it Sunday for those that celebrate Hanukkah, that you watch Cannibal Holocaust, listen to our episode, and be thankful and joyous and have a wonderful holiday celebration with the people you care about, which may or may not be your family. In fact, gather the family together and watch it. It may not be your family, though. You may not be thankful and grateful for your family. Some of us are still very bitter about that sort of thing. Well, you didn't get a choice in the matter. You shouldn't be so mad about it. <laughs> so, I mean, let's just kind of bring it out and say it. We're, we're doing this, you know, the following week, even though we're recording it the, the day before all of this stuff is supposed to be released, because you want to play fucking sports ball or you want to watch somebody play I wanna, fucking it's, sports it's ball? A, it's, a, it's a pretty big sports ball game, and there's not a lot of sports ball left in the in the in the year. So and for once and for once my team actually, you know, there's something important happening. So what what is about know. it that is so important? Because I don't fucking get it. I just... uh, it has to do with um, uh, my team could win the division. OK, that I understand. I understand divisions. That's something that has only been brought about because of the latest presidency. There were yes. no divisions until this presidency. That, that's right. Um, that tracks, right? That logic tracks. It, I think it tracks. It's fine by me. And it, and, uh, it also it's also a rivalry game. So rivalry game, we can win the division if we pl- if if we win it, and then if we win it, we have an inside track at a better seeding when the playoffs do start. Okay, so when you say rivalry game, this is like two teams that have hated each other for how long now? Uh, decades upon decades, and two states that aren't all that friendly either. So okay, so what teams are this for the folks at home that may give a fuck, so that they know for sure this is what you're talking about? Is the Minnesota Vikings versus the Green Bay Packers? Okay, and this game will have already happened by the time this is released because it's happening tomorrow when we would normally record. That is right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So basically by the time this is released, everyone can either celebrate with you if they want to celebrate your team or or, laugh at me if my team is lost and like point and laugh that your team has lost to this rivalry of decades. Yes. All right. So this is almost some cinematic level stuff. This is the kind of football movie that I would almost watch. Yeah, you would. And also because like the other team is actually 
good and their playoff seating could be improved or they could win the division. So yeah, a lot of shits on the line here. All right. So this is like the WrestleMania of sports ball for you because you do skip a lot of games for this show. I do. You know, yeah, it's like, you know, well, I love watching sports. I love watching football and everything. I have seen myself come down a lot from like my early 20s where I you couldn't get me to miss a game in my early 20s. I think you know that. Yeah, Uh, I remember. Yeah. To now where I'm just like, if you know, if I'm able to watch a game, cool. And if I for some reason have to miss it, then I miss it. And, you know, I'll find out what happens later. Uh, And I enjoy it. You know, so very rarely do I, you know, get you. There's a game where I'm like, I have to, uh, you know, I really want to watch this one. Okay, well, that totally makes sense. I'm I'm fine with that. But when you were bringing this up, when we were uh, out for a group outing this Friday, you were basically making it sound like I sacrifice watching games for this show. And I'm just asking to move the recording for one game. And that's all. And while you're doing it, I'm like, he's trying to emotionally manipulate me. And it's not going to work. I was totally trying to gaslight you there. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, okay, look, I know it's important to you. And that's enough for me to try and work on it. But, and I hadn't edited Cannibal Holocaust yet by the time that we talked. And this was Friday. (laughs) I hadn't edited the show for this week that's about to be released this same day. I hadn't done any of the prep work for the actual movie that we're trying to record today. So over the course of this weekend, I had to try and squeeze all of that stuff in just to be able to do this and and move it around. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you had said, it's not like you hadn't skipped a ton of football for the show. Uh. (laughs) Listen, man, trying to emotionally gaslight you is tough. And so you have to do a full court press if you're going to do it. Well, that's why they named it the full court press. It's quite literally what you have to do to press court to do anything. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You have to go the full route to press court to do anything. You can't just go half ass to try to gaslight court. You got to go balls to the wall, full court. Yeah, it's got to be a full ass press. Full ass, not half ass. You can't even do 75% ass. It's got to be 100% ass. And it better be a big ass because that's the only thing that moves court. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and now we know what your search history is like. <laughs> is it obvious that we don't want to talk about the movie this week? Or I what? think it's very obvious we don't want to talk about the movie this week. Too bad, because guess what we're about to do? We're about to talk about the movie this week, aren't we? Yeah, but to, in order to do that, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to play the Legion Patreon ad. We'll have a little bit of music befitting of Mountaintop Motel Massacre. That's how you have to say it. Yeah. And when we come back, we will have the trailer for Mountaintop Motel Massacre. This will keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet. My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com, or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now... Back to the cutting room. Hey! 
music that really talks about mountaintop motels or uh, massacres of motels, so the best I could do was a cheap motels. You know what, though? That, that was pretty spot on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it relatively fits what was going on for a lot of the movie, sort of. Yeah. I mean, it, it works. I mean, it doesn't quite describe the film quite as well as this trailer. Far from the beaten path lies a friendly little inn. Girl, you better come get your critter before I chop his head off. Where folks come from miles around. Hold on! Relax and make new friends. My name's Al. I'm Tanya. I'm Bill McWilly. Marvin Crenshaw. This is my cousin, Chrissy. Your relatives? Cousins. Are you okay, Mayor Revan? Sorry. Crenshaw? Edwin? <laughs> Tell your little wife I'll have a surprise for her. No one ever complains. You mean we got to go down there after? We have to. And get my ass killed by some old crazy white woman? No way, Jose. Where people are dying to get a reservation. Hello? Hello? And any moment might be checkout time. I'm getting out of here. Is this any way to run a motel? That's your life, it is. Mountaintop Motel Massacre. Well, that pretty much covers it, right? Yeah, we're done. I'll see <laughs> you later, dude. <laughs> no, I actually have a few things to talk about. Um, similar to uh, the story behind the scenes of the movie we did a couple weeks ago being more interesting than the actual movie. Yeah. Given that this is a Corman distributed but not produced picture, we okay. have kind of similar things where there's behind the scenes stuff that I spent some time doing a little bit of research and I watched the documentary that came with the disc that I bought. So I have a little bit more to talk about. Awesome. All right. Because we're going to need something, goddammit. Yeah, well, all right. Well, let's get started here. We start with a picture of a crazy-looking old woman, and it says Arkansas State Mental Hospital. So, of course, it's going to be weird. We're in Arkansas. Technically, we're in Louisiana, uh, doubling as Arkansas, though. Oh, okay. Well, then it says Chambers Evelyn admitted July 13th, 1978. Yes. All right. So, we see an old that same old lady working in her garden. A young girl is playing with a rabbit in, like, tying a ribbon. At first, I thought it was a noose, but it ended up just being a ribbon around its neck. Um, yeah, well, the, given the locale of where we're at and it's all countryfied, you kind of wonder if maybe something naughty's going to happen to an animal anyway. Yeah, right. Uh, an old lady sees an albino guinea pig and yells for the girl to come and get it because it's apparently one of her critters. Is it an albino guinea pig? Or I thought guinea pigs were just white sometimes. Uh, well, it has red eyes. So that's why I thought it was an albino. Yeah, but I thought guinea pigs had pinkish eyes too. Well, y- you know, it looked like an Either albino way, rat. 
So yeah, either way, it's 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 just a rodent. I uh, really thought that was an adorable guinea pig. Either way, yes. Um, the girl is pretty creepy in a room with a uh, filled with creepy freaking dolls. But look who her mom is. It's not her fault. That's like know, saying get... Trump's kids are weird. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, the old lady ends up killing the rodent. Um, saying you know she didn't you know she warned her. Then we kept yeah. Doesn't she girl... say like if you don't get out here, I'm gonna chop off its head? And that's exactly yeah. what she does. We don't see yes. it, but that's what she does. Said I tried to warn her. <laughs> well, we see the girl talks to a picture of her father, and that is actually our first clip. Daddy, got to talk to you. It's Mama. She's getting sick again. Thinks she needs to go back to the hospital. But she told me if I ever mentioned it again, she was going to get me. And that is Matt's first officially edited clip. Yeah. The girl seems to go like underneath into these caverns almost. Uh, Those are actually, um, if you look and pay attention to the surroundings, they're uh, decrepit moonshiner tunnels. There's a bunch of jugs and stuff like that. Yeah. And there's there's a few things that are down there as well. Like it looked like a moonshining, like make moonshining gear and stuff like that. You know, I didn't notice that. You know what I thought it was? Because it was supposed to be Arkansas was uh gold mining oh yeah i guess i could see that but like why would they be underneath the cabins but um and i uh, you know i i didn't know how to explain that either i just know that gold mining was huge in arkansas for a while right well what, in the old day the reason that they're supposed to be or the reason that i know now for sure that they were supposed to be moonshiner tunnels is because uh i watched the documentary thing that followed with the disc and that's what the guy confirmed <laughs> and actually you know what can i tell you one other thing yes and we confirmed it can i tell you one other thing i was already wrong uh not gold diamond mining Ah. Diamond mining was huge in Arkansas. Okay, well, there was some type of mining going on. When yeah, they bringing but stuff that, out of I there. always get confused on that one, but it's actually diamond mining was a, the big thing in Arkansas for a while. Well, most of the United Still States was, is. yeah, most of the United States was uh, gold rushing anyway, so there you go. Yeah. But yeah, so there, there are uh, these old like moonshiner tunnels, which makes sense as to why they go to the different areas so that the guys could, you know, move things from cabin to cabin to hide it if they needed to, but also they could store all the moonshine down here in these tunnels. And that was just kind of how I looked at it. When I first saw it, I thought they were like service ducts. Like it was just like where all the piping and everything went for the hotel. Yeah. There is some pipes and stuff that are in there. And I've seen some things like that where it's underneath, uh, you know, a hotel where they would have all of the the toiletries and stuff like that. But they shouldn't have hatches that go up <laughs> like these Yeah, two. right. Into the, into the hotel bathrooms. Yeah. So when I noticed that that was going on, then I was like, okay, now I know for sure. Because I think one of them, when she was like creeping around later on in the movie, I'm just kind of jumping ahead. That's when I noticed the bottles, and that's when I'm like, I wonder if this is for moonshiners, because there, there's a reason I know a little bit about these kind of motels. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> of where Being I grew from up. up in the hills. Right. I mean, this is kind of actually a thing. These type of yeah. hotels. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. Definitely a thing. Uh, anyway, we see the girl has a shrine, and she seems to be chanting to it. It seems to be a satanic shrine. Yeah, um, uh, Evelyn's uh, daughter here. I'm kind of into. I- I'm kind of yeah. <laughs> digging, digging what she's got going on. She's a cool character. We could hang out. Yeah. Well, Evelyn finds her finds her there at the shrine. She goes a bit nutty and she's holding uh, what I believe is kind of like a, a sickle. Yeah, and a she's sickle. just kind of, she's wildly swinging it all over the place. She's just like freaking out, breaking stuff while she accidentally hits her daughter and killing her. Um, Coincidentally, my mother had the same reaction the first time I started playing Slayer in my house. Just was running, oh, Slayer? Just yeah. was running around with a, uh, a sickle? 
Like a sharp implement just like flailing it around, like going a bit nuts because I was playing satanic music in the house. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you know, that happens. <laughs> Apparently. Um, we see cops in the ambulance show up. And when they get there, a reverend is already there saying a few prayers over the girl. The mer- paramedics try and work on her, but the girl is dead. Uh, the sheriff, uh, you know, he's kind of walking around. He kind of questions her a little bit, not much, but just a little bit. And then checks out the girl's weird room sees like a Ouija board the dolls so he's kind of like well all this is a bit weird um <laughs> what's so weird about any of this it's just a particular faith that you don't know a lot about no, whatever she's I, into. I'm sure it's weird to the sheriff I wasn't saying it was weird to me <laughs> yeah we've been friends too long you ought to be used to this kind of shit yeah pretty much yeah I was just saying yeah it looks weird to the sheriff <laughs> well yeah the daughter's involved in some kind of satanic passages and rituals and that's all bad and that's all evil and that's it, all it, wrong well, and I'm sure the sheriff knows that the mother was also institutionalized at one point so he's wondering all about that as well. Oh, this is a small community. I'm sure everybody and their brother knows that she was institutionalized at some point. Exactly. Well, then we cut and it's the funeral. The same reverend is uh, delivering a eulogy for the girl and Evelyn is looking at the people who are in attendance. It's almost like she's hearing their thoughts about how they're either like, oh, you know, she killed her. She killed her own daughter. She went insane, you know, hearing those type of things. So Evelyn's now hearing voices, which is, well, that's probably not good. Um, She's basically got some kind of weird paranoid delusional thing going on where she thinks she hears people talking about her. Yeah. She's probably somewhat a paranoid schizophrenic. Well, I think that's what the film's trying to establish, but I mean, it's not. Really, it's never stated, but. Yeah, I'm, it's not stated. And also it's not really handled all that deftly either. It's kind of. No, yeah, it's it's, not, it's, it's, this it's, movie's not the movie to, you know, figure or something out about mental health. Well, no, and it's also, I mean, just the way that they're dealing with it, it's kind of like just short cutted to say, yes, she's fucking crazy and that's why she's acting like this. And the quickest and fastest way to say that somebody's crazy is to have them hear voices. I mean, yes, that's exactly. That's just basically, especially if the voices are telling you to do things that you shouldn't do. I mean, even Jason Voorhees' mother was suffering from that in the first Friday the 13th, so it works for a slasher, but we're kind of adding to it with a diagnosis of what we understand from mental illness that we both suffer. Yes. Um, after this, we get a cut of the sheriff just kind of looking around the motel area. Um, as Evelyn is laid down and she's resting and sleeping, she can hear her daughter's voice calling out for her. Um, a man then drives up and he comes in the motel for a room as the man gets one of the cabins because they're all like separated cabins. And he gets to his cabin and the reverend comes out and introduces himself. And we find out the man, its name is Robin Crenshaw. And they uh, agree after the reverend says it's kind of nice to have another person here. He gets a little bit creepy. They agree later on they'll have dinner. Some Vienna sausage in a can and some whiskey. A.K.A. Matt's favorite dinner of all time. Pretty much. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> well, and the carpenter guy, It's a, he's a, we find out later that he's a carpenter. Yeah, although, that's if in you a look clip at, later. That's yeah, why it wasn't saying anything. Yeah, but if you look at the, if you look at his truck as he's starting to unload, it's pretty obvious that he built that giant wooden toolbox and it's, anybody that carries a toolbox like that, you know they're a carpenter and they built that themselves. It's like a shorthand, you know? Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I really think that that particular gentleman had a very interesting face. The way that, like, the cracks and the lines in his face and just the way that he looked. You could tell that he got hired specifically because he had such a very 
interesting characteristic face. Yes, he really did. And I would say the same thing about the guy playing the priest, but he's actually a veteran character actor on top of that. But uh, everybody that was cast in this film was definitely cast specifically for the look that they had is, is how I looked at it. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, everyone kind of, they, they, I will say this, they really did a good job of casting for characters for, you know, what they wanted out of them for how they looked. Yeah, and considering that the accents are all very much obviously deeper south than what Arkansas sounds like. Yes. Unless you're like at the panhandle near the Texas, Texarkana area. Um, these accents are definitely very southern. Like, and it's even a little more southern than what you would get in that very southern panhandle of Arkansas. Yeah, agreed. Uh, very much so. And I thought they were actors that were over southerning just because they didn't know southern. But then when I found out it was shot in Louisiana, I'm like, oh, oh no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Evelyn moves her bed and then lifts up what seems to be a trap door that's in her room. Um we then get a view of a couple driving around in the country in a pickup truck. Uh, Evelyn is putting snakes in a bag. And then, um, uh, so she, she's grabbing the, she puts it at the foot of the bed and she's holding the Bible while she's sitting there staring at this bag of a snake. Well, yeah. Um, if you have enough faith, Matt, you can handle a snake. You can take up serpents and it won't be a problem. God will be on your side. Damn, that's, that's some hardcore shit right there. Uh, there's a whole offshoot of religiosity in Christianity based on that soul thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like you always see those uh, Southern snake uh, handler types. Yeah. Snake handler types. Yeah. Where they're like, Oh, look at me. And there you have a snake in their hands, which would probably be devenomized anyway. So, well, most of them are, but the funny thing is, is when they're trying to devenomize them, some of these guys fuck it up and they end up getting bitten by their snake and dying. That's nice. Yeah. I always love whenever the snake handler priests get bitten and die. Like that's yes, my favorite thing in the world. But just to kind of reiterate, I'm thinking that in her delusional state, she believes that she can handle this venomous viper with enough faith because of that is what I was getting at. Yes. Also, I wanted an excuse to make fun of snake handler priests. Well, of course. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, they're fucking stupid. Oh, man. So anyway, we go back to a couple driving in the truck and they almost hit a dog. So, and then they decide they're going to head to this motel and we kind of hear they're talking, they're a new married couple and this is their honeymoon. Yeah. So the driving in the truck and then they're newly married and they're both dirt ass poor and cheap and broke kind of, they, they talk about this in, on the ride and when they almost hit the dog, that little spin out stunt driving that they did, that is so country. Don't want to fuck up my truck while I'm on this little fucked up dirt road. Yeah, he, right. He totally steered the, the spin out into a field area and missed that embankment that would have bruised up and fucked up his fenders. Yeah. So I was really impressed with that. I'm like, God, this movie's country as fuck. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like the truck is like his most prized possession anyway at this point. Yeah, um, more than his wife, because you notice how he threw his wife out of the way and off of him so he could use both hands to drive. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And then he asked her okay, he was, if she was okay after he knew his truck was okay. <laughs> hey, hon, how we doing? Uh, <laughs> you still love me even though I love my truck more than you? I don't know. Well, damn. Uh, <laughs> harsh. Real harsh. <laughs> but fair. Um, <laughs> Understandable. Then we see two ladies. They're kind of talking and singing and having fun driving in a red Volkswagen bug. Uh, Filthy hippies. Yeah. Then we go back to the couple and the man checks in and they get cabin four. Evelyn Sosa says, finding out they're newlyweds, that she'll have a nice surprise for his new wife. Nothing uh, creepy about that at all. Yeah, no. Yeah. She was fucking. It's like, yeah, hey, man, why don't you just stay away from me for half a minute? Because <laughs> uh, that's she is. This actress did crazy 
CIs really well. Yeah, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that particular actress uh, a little bit later. But yeah, she is amazing in this role. She's kind of what carries the film. Nice. Um, Evelyn is now we see she's using those underground tunnels and uh, she actually tosses the snake bag into cabin four. So this was the special gift that she had for his little wife was a snake. Yes. As they're in the room, the wife sees the bag and he says, it's probably just some sack thrown into the corner, which she does. And the snake comes crawling out after she does that. Have you ever handled a sack with a snake in it or any type of animal in it at all? Any animal in a sack before at all? No. Okay. They shift the weight of the living animal inside of a sack will shift regardless of how light it's supposed to be. Yeah, I would believe so. Given the size of the snake that we see later, she would have felt that there was something in that sack. Yeah. I'm calling shenanigans on this. <laughs> I'm calling hardcore shenanigans here. <laughs> but it's a story. We'll move on. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's there. Um, so anyway, uh, now it's it's apparently some sexy times times for the uh, uh, the newlywed couple. They're getting ready to, you know, d- do it. I love the dialogue between the two of them where she's like, we're doing something special tonight. This is my wedding <laughs> night. And like she's getting ready and everything. She's like, this ain't going to be like in your truck in the drive-in where I lay down, you get on top of me for two seconds and that's it or something. Than she says. Yeah. Yeah. Like totally just running this guy through the ringer and insulting well, she, his sexual prowess. She already guilted him down because they're staying there. And he's like, what do you want? A holiday in? I'm like, you know, holiday in ain't all that much better. I'm just- well, this hotel is like seven bucks in the eighties. What was a holiday yeah. in like fifteen? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like seven I mean, like, bucks is not that cheap. That, ho- that hotel we could probably get for like uh, twelve bucks. Yeah, but like a twelve buck hotel versus like a seventy five dollar one. At least you know there's no killer lady under the you know floorboards. Yeah, I mean, I you should you know at least you know you're not going to get a, a snake in a burlap sack at a Holiday Inn. Right. If you're I'm paying sl- under fifty bucks for your hotel stay a night, chances are there's an old lady waiting to throw a burlap lap sack filled with snake on you. I have to agree. <laughs> you just uh, know what you're getting when you get cheap hotels. Yeah, exactly. The Reverend and Mr. Crenshaw are actually uh, getting to know each other, and that is our next clip. How long have you been a preacher anyway? I've been spreading the good news for now 25 years. It beats the heck out of seven life insurance or Bibles. That's how I come started preaching, you know, seven Bibles. Two Sundays ago, way back to April of 1955, I've saved over 500 people. But your preaching don't say nothing about drinking, does it? Sure it does. I don't drink forever. A long, slow process. Rome wasn't built in a day. No, I drunk up in a night. The kingdom of heaven in some place up there in the clouds. It's here now in your heart. If the kingdom of heaven is in my heart, where is the kingdom of hell? Well, I, I guess it's there also. I see your uh, tools over there. Right? You're in the construction business of some kind. Yep, gentleman carpenter. Up here for work. No, just looking. Business is kind of down out there, isn't it? Man, let me tell you something. I haven't been out of work since I was 16 years old. And I ain't never seen nothing like this. Well, to tell you the truth about it, I ain't been exactly setting the woods on fire and saving souls myself. Well, Mally, I think I'll turn in. 
Good night. Night, Neil. Okay, tell the truth. You just grabbed this because it was a drunken conversation between two old farts, and you were like, that's what I want to do with my life. <laughs> I did. Uh, number one, I thought it actually, to be serious, set a good example of what the air was like at this time, at least in this region, uh, financial-wise for a lot of people. It was tough. Tough times. Yeah, even a preacher is having a hard time ripping people off of their money when he used to be a Bible salesman, ripping yeah. people off of their money. Exactly. And then part two, I said it because it sets up Crenshaw as a carpenter and that helps later on the field set up why he's, but you know, the plan they're able to get. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and also it was a drunken conversation between two hardened old men who are staring down the second half of their lives uh, into an abyss where I feel like I'm at. They're also giving a middle finger to said abyss by literally just eating Vienna sausages and chugging whiskey out of a fifth that looks like a scope bottle. Exactly. Yes. And, th- and that's classy. That's class right there. That's I, Southern class. I don't know who made that specific type of fifth of whatever type of whiskey that is, but the lid of it was basically a shot glass like you get with a scope bottle. Yeah, that that was something very common in the 80s. In fact, that's where scope in like the mouthwash places, uh-huh. they, that's where they got that idea. Okay, so liquor bottles did that back then. That was like a thing where the, there was already a shot glass built into the whiskey? Yes. That's yeah. actually pretty genius. They should bring that and, back. And I don't even know if they meant for it to be a shot glass or they just were like, this is just the cap we're using. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but like it's genius. They should it they is. should bring that back. We need whiskey bottles caps that are shot glasses. I completely agree. Uh, <laughs> It'd be will, very convenient. You will, you will not find me in much disagreement on that one. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just convenient. You know, it just yeah. makes sense. Just it's just nice to have. Yeah, that that saves us from having to wash out a scope bottle and store our liquor in there, so we have a shot glass built in. Exactly. Um, uh, we then see a man driving his car, and he's using a car phone, so you know it's fancy now. Uh, <laughs> Well, especially in, like, this was shot in 83. This is one of the earliest made slasher films, yeah. like, in the cycle. It's 83. It didn't Jesus. get, it didn't get uh, properly released nationwide until, like, 86, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more later. But a car phone in 83 is a big fucking deal. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, you're you're arrived if you have that. Yeah. I mean, it's um, almost as big a deal as having a car phone in 58. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and uh, he's, his name's Al, and he's asking his secretary, to find him the nearest motel because the storm is getting really bad. Um, but then we cut to, we see the girls and the red bug have broken down and they're uh, wearing white t-shirts standing out in the rain. So thanks movie. Oh no, that's a total thank you movie because they, hey. their boobs were already wet before the rainstorm even got to them because the my, movie knew what you wanted to see the whole time. My wife's like, of course they're wearing white shirts out in the rain. I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean, come on. They're cousins. They're wearing matching outfits and of course they're, they're not wearing bras and going out into the rain. Listen, they're cousins in Arkansas. You're lucky they haven't started fucking already. No, we're unlucky because, uh, damn, yeah. that would have been more fun. <laughs> well, if it would have been Alabama, they definitely would have been fucking already. Roll Tide. Definitely. Roll Tide. <laughs> Al picks the two girls up and we find out they are cousins named Prissy and Tanya and they introduce themselves in our next clip. Yeah, well, if you stayed on the damn road. I tried to. I told you for the hundredth time. Give you girls a lift to the hotel up the road? A motel? Forget it. Don't have to bite his head off. No, no, it's okay. I'd be mad, too, if I'd been caught out in this rain. Got wet, like that. My name's Al. I'm Tanya. This is my cousin, Prissy. Cousins? Doesn't look like cousins. (sighs) Sure is some car. Yeah, and look, a telephone. You must be rich or something. No, no, nothing like that. Well, are you a lawyer? 
No, but I keep a dozen of them working full time. You girls ever hear Columbia Records? That's mine. That's my baby. My God! You must know Barbara Mandrell. Sure do. Barb's made me a fortune. Well, what are you doing down here? <clears throat> um, on a talent search. As a matter of fact, I was heading down to Shreveport to audition a group. If they're good enough, I'll give them a break. You know what? What? Me and Prissy sang, too. No kidding. No, Tanya, shut up. Well, we do. We sang at the Springfield Country Jamboree last Saturday. Really? Tanya, the Jamboree is a long way from being able to make records. Well, I know. They wouldn't do any harm. Maybe I'll listen to us at the motel. Oh, Shut up, you're embarrassing me. He don't want to listen to us. Well, it never hurts to ask, does it, Al? Yeah. Can't be banished from this business. See there? Well, how about it? Will you listen to us? Well, that guy's spitting some game. Yeah, he's uh, lying through his fucking teeth to try and get both girls into bed with him because we heard him on the phone conversation. He's an advertising executive. He's not an owner of a record company. He's just flat out fucking lying. And it's obvious even Prissy, who is living up to her name and being a little bit dubious of the things that he's saying, is still kind of almost falling for it because at least they're high and dry now. Well, they're in a dry car on the well, way to they're get they're dried a off. souped up car, I mean. Yeah, well, he's got a car phone and they're impressed and everything. Like, shouldn't it be enough that he's an advertising exec and he has a car phone to get laid by two country girls? Shouldn't that be uh, enough? You would think, man. Who needs to be, you know, a record producer? <laughs> I mean, for fuck's sake, sometimes all you need is a little Popeye's chicken and that's that'll do it. Yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> I think that would work out great for most everybody. Yeah, I mean, if you had a car phone in 83, you should be getting laid constantly by country girls. It shouldn't be that I mean, hard. People are killing each other for the Popeye's fried chicken sandwich now. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's what I'm getting at, man. Like, that should be all it would take. <laughs> I mean, I'm being uh, facetious here, but like he obviously should not be lying to get laid, even though we've all done it. Exactly. Because we're <laughs> disgusting men. <laughs> yeah, but nothing that big of a lie. No, no, I, I couldn't even stick to that big of a lie. I don't even know how to go about it. Yeah, I've never promised someone a promising record career for sex. That's yeah, that's, just, that's not going to happen. Just, I have limits. All right. <laughs> uh, the newlyweds are kind of having some pillow talk and stuff, and we see the snake slithering and it bites the husband in the face. He's able to kill it by like smashing it with his boot i think the wife goes to grab the phone to call 911 but the phones are down do you think she cut the lines herself or do you think it was the storm i think it was the storm i don't even think she cut the lines i think it was just bad luck for everybody one of the things i think this film does really well is seeing an escalation in behavior on evelyn's part at first she's pulling almost like these stupid pranks with leaving animals in there and the animal like the snake may be somewhat venomous but it's not obviously very deadly because even though the guy's face swells up it doesn't like kill him him right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. It's not what kills him and he lasts for quite a while before he fucking dies. I honestly believe that the thing that she's doing here is just trying to terrorize them and make them feel afraid because it makes her feel better because she thinks they all think that she's crazy. So the yeah. way that she's showing them is by releasing animals in their room one by one. You yes. know? And I feel like the snake was such an escalation that that should have been last. That shouldn't have been first. 
<laughs> you know, we should have seen yeah. the other animals we're about to talk about first, but yeah, right. Um, but then she starts to move on from there when that sort of thing isn't enough to make her feel like she's been avenged for everyone calling her crazy in her own head. And well, then it's it escalates avenged, further from there. Because eventually she's going to hear more voices. And that's the reason why she kind of goes to the next level of stuff. Yeah, but I think the film does a really good job of showing the escalation of her mental decline, like how it just keeps getting worse and worse. That's one thing I think this film does really well. Yeah, I agree, too. Um, Al says, well, they go back to the car. Al says the girls can stay with him, and it's creepy. Uh, what he should have done is offered them their own room. But yes. instead, he's purposely trying to set it up to get Nookie. And this is where Prissy lives more up to her name and becomes even more dubious about the things that he's promising them. Yes. And also, as they're driving, lightning strikes a tree and it falls on the road and they it nearly hits them but they realize that the the road is now blocked by a tree yeah well they're um, stuck and he's not going to be able to go back but he could have offered to loan them the money for their own room exactly but that uh, would have been the gentlemanly thing to do and not the sort well, of thing that sleeps that wasn't into wants... being a gentleman right now so no he wants to bang two girls at the same time and this is the only time in his life where seven bucks is going to make that happen yeah exactly well that and a shitload of lies <laughs> <laughs> Al gets room number one and Evelyn is looking totally bonkers at this point, like completely lost ships, cobwebs in her hair, all this kind of stuff. He's just, and Al's just kind of like, well, whatever. All he's um, thinking about is the two cousins at the same time. That's all yeah, he's exactly. thinking about. The bride grabs Al as he's heading back to his car. He states that, uh, she says that, you know, her husband's been bit by a snake. He says that uh, the phones are down. He says he'll use his car phone and call her and that, and tells her to go back to him. Uh, Al uh, drops the girls off to the cabin and then calls the police. So, I mean, Al's a kind of a weird character. While he's being kind of trashy for, you know, lying to these two girls to get laid, uh, he's also wanting to help the, the bride and the groom. You know, he wants to help them because he's not a total asshole. Yeah, he's um he's a complex character, and the, the film gives you a couple of moments like that with a couple of these characters where they do things for their own selfish ends, but at the same time, they're also trying to help someone out in need. And let's, yeah. let's face it, this is supposed to be like the mountains of Arkansas, but it's taking place in Louisiana, and someone getting bit by a snake ain't nothing to fuck around with. No, it is not. There's a lot of uh, deadly vipers in those areas. But then Al calls the police, and they say they have to contact the sheriff. They uh, they try to contact the sheriff, and we see the sheriff's in the bar drinking. Well, yeah, it's a southern state. Of course the sheriff's in a bar yeah. drinking. So the call goes largely unanswered. They state that they want to know the nature of the emergency. He tells them that there's a snake bite, and they take his phone number down to call him back. I'm like, what's to call back as soon as you get a hold of somebody just send them up there there was a snake bite for crying out loud yeah i didn't get that either but i guess yep. that's just the way they do it yep uh al goes back in the room gives the girls some dry clothing why uh, because he was hoping they'd change in front of him maybe yeah probably um we cut to the reverend is passed out and then we see evelyn uh releases rats into his room as they all kind of crawl over him one kind of nips at him and he wakes up and he lights a candle and starts freaking out a bit and we see Evelyn underneath there smiling maniacally. Right. This should have been before the snakes. Yeah, I think so. The, the roaches was way more escalated than the, the other ones we're about to see. Right. The roaches should have been second. The rats should have been first. And then the snake should have been last. Yes. Um, let's see here. The girls are in the bathroom talking about Al as they change. Um, they then leave the room and flirt. And um, let's see here. Oh, and then uh, one of them mentions they wonder who Lori is as they see Lori 
Grace paintings, who was Evelyn's daughter. Her paintings are all over the room. Um, we go back into the, we're back in the newlyweds room and they're kind of joking around. Ed. The husband says, you know, they'll, I should listen to my friends. They all told me being married was going to be a pain in the neck. But he got bit in the face. So I know. I don't know. But and he says pain in the ass, not neck. Oh, does he? I thought he said neck. So no. well, either way, it still doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's not uh, fucking funny. The only thing redeeming about this is his swelled up face makeup is awesome. Yes. Um, Evelyn is reading the Bible uh, about uh, and gets to a part about how the sickle, you know, when using a sickle. And then she hears her daughter's voice again. And this time is when she's telling her that she has to kill them uh, because if they she doesn't, they'll all send her back to the mental hospital. Well, yeah, she's been doing crazy shit, like releasing yep. rats and snakes on people, man. Of course they yep. want to send her back to a nut house before it gets worse. So then Evelyn, she gets a little bit more nutty in her while she's in her daughter's room and starts grabbing cockroaches and putting them in a bag. Where did those come from? Are they just feeding on stuff in the daughter's room or did her daughter have them in a no, pen? No, she had them. They were in like a little container. Okay, so her daughter's like all earthy and into keeping animals and one of the things she had was a cockroach? Yeah. Was that to feed her snake? I mean, what, what the fuck did she have cockroaches? Cockroaches for? I don't know, man. Fucking, fucking Lori's weird. <laughs> well, yeah, I get that. I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to figure it out. Like, why? The cockroaches... Probably maybe to feed snakes. Uh, maybe she just liked having cockroaches around. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just, it didn't make sense, but okay, whatever. Yeah. Like, I can see uh, having a bunch of pet rats that get released, but they weren't pet rats. They were just rats she collected somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And then Evelyn comes out in some, uh, Lori's room in some crazy fucking makeup, like fucking Bozo the Clown. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think she did that to herself. I think that's just supposed to be like her mental decline escalating and showing on her face, like the blood capillaries and stuff like that. I don't know. Oh, uh, well, because it looked weird. Yeah, uh, I don't. I uh, I just I, I, don't th know. I think they were maybe thought about going for that. Like that was going to be her look for the rest of the movie. And then they just decided, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, in Crenshaw's room, Evelyn uh, releases the roaches and they crawl all over him, waking him up. And he starts kind of stopping on him and complaining about fucking roaches. I love how he uh, said, which, like, he didn't know that he was checking into a roach motel, which yeah. was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, we see the sheriff. He gets the message, and he tries calling the car phone, but, of course, no one answers. Yeah, because no one's going to wait around when there's Nookie to be had with two cousins. Yeah, right? Uh, the husband, we cut back to the Millywoods. He's not doing well. He's starting to hallucinate a bit. He's starting to lose vision, so he's, you know, he's, he's starting to go down a bit. Yeah, and it feels like this has been quite a few hours that they've been waiting, and the night is going yeah. on and on. It's been long enough for him to talk the two girls into doing whatever they're about to do. Exactly. Evelyn again is hearing her daughter telling her to kill everyone or she will go back. Uh, the sheriff decides, fuck it. He gets in his car and he starts heading it back up, which he should have done anyway. It's time trying to call people. Yeah, we're, we're beyond that now, Matt. We understand that he's drinking instead of doing his duty. He's a yeah. horrible, horrible person. Exactly. Uh, well, we're having some God awful talent level singing here. Um, yeah, they weren't that horrible but it was obvious they're not going anywhere with a career yeah. to anybody who ever had an ear for any music at all. Anyway, Al, this time, he, you know, uh, uh, Tanya is kind of, you know, warming up to him. Prissy gets up and he's like, are you just going to let this be a solo act? And she goes into the bathroom. So, oh, well, hang on. First of all, he promises 
them the world. He says that they could yeah. have a entire record deal and he could see them oh, yeah. being the next he's like, cover he's of like, record. Get you, you need some polishing, but I'll get you in the studio, some backup singers, some professional stuff done. Right. He goes through this whole diatribe about all this stuff that he's going to do, and then Tanya is the one of them, and then Prissy's the other. Is that right? Yeah, Tanya and Prissy. Okay, so Tanya gets up, hops on his lap, gets all excited, and is pretty much like ready to go and fuck him because this is a... This, basically, she's buying into the fantasy aspect of this. She pretty much knows he's lying. She's just getting turned on by the fantasy and wants to pretend because her life has been really boring and the same over and over again. Whereas Prissy's all like, I don't want to fuck this guy for a career. That's just not going to happen, you know? Yeah. And so she gets more and more upset and not happy about it. And that line that he delivers about, I guess this will just be a solo record then, he overplays yeah. his hand there hardcore. Oh, yeah. Big time. Like, even Tanya should have got that he was overplaying his hand at that point. Yeah. If Prissy gets in the bathroom and her Tanya argue, Tanya's like, well, I don't even care if it's a lie or anything. What's the worst that happens? I have a roll in the hay with a hot guy. So, uh, right. And she says that she thinks he's kind of cute, so she's okay with it. And she was basically going to fuck the guy either way. And yeah. Prissy's just messing it up. Prissy decides she's just going to stay in the bathroom. Right. Well, which, as, what else is she going to do? Go out in the rain while they're fucking? Exactly. Well, as they're going at it a little bit, Evelyn comes in and kills Prissy with a sickle right to the face. So that was brutal. And that makeup yeah. actually looks pretty decent. And Prissy, the, or then Evelyn, then takes Prissy's body into the trapdoor area. Al and Tanya decide they're going to go check on uh, Prissy because they're, you know, they're they're worried about her. You know, Tanya is, and I think even Al's kind of worried. Like, uh, you know, let's go check on her. Let's make sure everything's all right. Well, and also there was a bunch of noise in the bathroom that sounded like thrashing around, and they're worried she's yeah. doing something and, dumb. And even Al gets dressed for this, so you can tell he's trying to be a gentleman. Well, he didn't get uh, that undressed because he was in his underwear while they're doing the fucking audition, quote unquote. I, I know we got dressed to go at least check out her, though. Yeah, he put on his <laughs> pants to make her feel more comfortable and also to hide his ass from the Speedos for all of us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so anyway, um, they go to check and they find the bathroom empty, but just a lot of blood. Um, Nothing Al, suspicious or scary about that, Matt. Yeah, nothing at all. Al decides he needs to go find other people staying here and warn them. So he runs into Crenshaw, and that is our next clip. There's been another accident. What? Where? Well, the girl's in my room. She disappeared. There must have been some kind of struggle because there's blood everywhere. When? Just now. We need to let everybody know. Well, wasn't your door locked? I got sworn I locked the door myself. Lightning knocked the tree down. It's blocked the road a ways back. I'll tell the girl and her husband number four. How's he doing? He doesn't seem to be in much pain. Did you find a doctor? Yeah, help's on the way. <sighs> They'd better get here soon. I'm sure he'll be all right. Something else has happened. There's a girl missing. Something's going on around here. You need to keep your door locked and keep your eyes open. I'll be back later to check on There's a guy named Crenshaw two doors down if you need anything. And don't open this door unless you know who it is. All right? I asked him that. He said he locked his door personally. Tell you what, I'm getting out of here. No place to go. The road's blocked. Anybody else? Just the old woman in the office. Better stay on your toes. Let me know if you see anything. I'll be right next door if you need me. Look, wait a minute. Let me get my shoes and I'll go with you. 
Okay, see you in a second. I love how these guys are like fucking best friends and they've only gotten drunk together and had one can of Vienna sausages. Hey man, sometimes that's all you need. Just one can of Vienna sausages and your best friends? Yeah, and getting drunk. Oh, uh, maybe. I don't know. And they're older guys too. They're just like, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I want to assign some kind of something or other to this that makes it more dubious for their friendship, but I just can't because it's all sweet and saccharine and weird. I guess I just, yeah. <laughs> I guess I just don't like it because the one guy's a pastor and I don't trust pastors. Yeah, I know. But hey, listen, this is seem like he even has his own flock or nothing so it's fine uh, <laughs> so he's a failed minister which somehow makes it okay i don't think yeah so. there you go you should trust him more because he's failed minister it's the successful ones you have to watch out for <laughs> i suppose so he's apparently not a good enough liar yeah exactly well anyway the reverend turns around to get his shoes and there is evelyn and she stabs him right in the chest with the sickle this was kind of a hard death to watch because he like actually tries to talk her down a little bit and he's been staying yeah. there for a while he did the service for her daughter funeral and when he gets stabbed like you can actually see like he's terrified like that actor does such a good job and yeah, it, it's kind it, of a hard death to watch it is and she keeps yelling stay away Satan or away Satan away Satan uh, as he dies yeah it was really creepy and weird I mean there's certain portions of this film that are great <laughs> like this yes right uh, we cut back to Tanya she's having a paper clips moment as she is reunited with Al in our next clip there, it's okay. get his head in there okay. I can't you saw the tree down. There's no way out of here. I can't stay here anymore. You've got to. I'll be right here with you. I'll take care of you. You've got to trust me. I do. There's something I have to tell you. I've been lying to you. I don't own any record company. I'm an advertising executive from Memphis. I'm just having a little fun. Christy was right. They're just a big phony. Congratulations. Uh, no, no, he didn't. He didn't no, I mean, it, I don't think, yeah, he wanted a three-way. He didn't get that. He wanted an incestuous three-way where both girls had to focus in on him because if they touched each other and started pleasuring each other, it was incest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, like, if they are both focused in on him, it's okay because they're both having sex with a man. But if yeah. at any point in time they touch each other at all, it's automatically incest. It is, and it's wrong. So this is the sweet spot this guy is hoping for, is to where both girls have to focus in on him and only him, and they can't help each other out at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and that's uh, that's gross. And <laughs> <laughs> that's what we call the sweet spot, Matt. Roll Tide. Uh <laughs> Uh, anyway, the newlyweds are uh, talking, and his face is even more swollen now, and he's he's seeing his mind starting to go weird. He's he's really starting to see things. We cut to Crenshaw packing up, but he decides he needs to hit the shitter first. As he's taking the shit, he sees Evelyn coming up from the floorboard in his bathroom. So he gets up, he grabs his tools, and he nails that floorboard down. Without wiping first. Oh, yeah. So he's going to be itching for weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. This is going to yeah. be bad. Oh, yeah. We cut to the sheriff is still driving through, so he's on his way. He'll get there eventually. I uh, may have to just stop at every bar on the left-hand side of the street first. <laughs> you sure uh, this wasn't filmed in Wisconsin the way that you're describing that? It might have been. It might have been. Uh, <laughs> it sure feels like it at this point with the sheriff. Right. Crenshaw then 
then he's looking around. He goes in the reverend's cabin and he finds a bunch of rats and blood stains everywhere. He then gets to Al and shows him some of the trap doors. Well, they nail the one in Al's room down shut. And Crenshaw states that he does believe it's the old lady causing the issues. Uh, Al and Crenshaw go to investigate in the office. The sheriff finally gets to where the downed tree is, so he has to leave his car and he gets out and pursues on foot. Doesn't uh, he hit the tree? Like, it looks like he hit it. Yes, he does. He does hit it. Yeah, but it doesn't, like, ruin his car, just, like, smashes his headlight. Well, yeah, no, he's, like, speeding towards it. He sees the tree coming and then he hits the brakes, but he just kind of slides into it, right? Yeah. He also might think he could try to take it out with a cop car, but it doesn't work that way. Well, he's been drinking enough to have that kind of logic, sure. <laughs> right? Uh, Crenshaw and Al find the main trap door in Evelyn's room. Uh, let's see here. They then go into Lori's room and look around and see kind of like the nuttiness that's in there. <laughs> I think the nuttiness in Lori's room is probably the most sane thing in this whole film. <laughs> well, for you. <laughs> well, it's, it's a young woman who's uh, displeased with her current position in the world, whose mother is completely insane and apparently very Christian religious. So what's the best way to appease yourself and to rebel against the things you dislike about your parents? Satanism. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> Alan Crenshaw, they talk about a plan, and that is our final clip. Maybe she's trapped down there. We've got to go to Satan. You mean we got to go down there after her? We have to. It's her or it's us. Come on, let's go back to the cabin. Why don't we just wait and let the Lord go down there and get her? Shit, they are the pros. Let them boys go down there. Look, we've got to get to her before she gets to us. And get my ass killed by some old crazy white woman. Come on. Okay, so if they would have done exactly what the carpenter, what was that guy's name again? Crenshaw. If they would have done what Crenshaw just said to do. They'd like, be alive, both all of them. Yeah, all they had to do was go into one cabin with the fucking floorboard shut, like nailed down. The, the and, one and cabin. move everyone Yeah, everybody, the same cabin. Everybody gets in there. They can even drag some bedding over there, even though it would be in the rain. And they yeah. can all just haul up in that one fucking cabin with the floorboard nailed shut. The toilet will work and everything, and they just stay there. If they yeah. start seeing the old lady creeping around the outside of the cabin, all they have to do is defend themselves from there. Yeah, exactly. What is the point of going into some weird cavernous area that you don't fucking recognize or know anything about to go stalk a killer who very clearly has got it out for you? Yeah, and knows the lay of this land better than you do. Right. Getting her before she gets us is not a plan. That is a lack of a plan. And now, at this point, you could also be concerned if you're Al because you did call 911 earlier and they go, yeah, we can't reach anyone, so we'll just take a message. Right. I understand that, but they they could still hole up in the cabin yeah. for a little while and, you know, eventually make it to where they move to another cabin and allow her to come up through the floorboards or something and then, you know, get her that way. Like, yeah. they should have done that where they could have all jumped her from one room. Like, something, anything than what they do. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're just thinking, maybe they're too busy thinking, like, maybe Al was thinking, like, shit, we gotta be proactive here. I don't know, like, maybe there are other ways she can get at us or some shit like that. So, maybe what? we have to just <laughs> try to go get her. I don't know. I, I, it, it, probably not. He's just being dumb. I think what Al was thinking was, Jesus Christ, we paid all this money to build these glorious underground sets, and we have only filmed portions of the film in there. We need to get more action down in these underground sets. That's probably what exactly what Al was thinking. Uh, <laughs> and he 
he's like, you know what? There's too many cast members still left alive. I need to get some of them down in them tunnels to die. Yeah, exactly. Al and Crenshaw get into the newlyweds room and they nail down their trap door and then they leave. Uh, after they do so, we see Evelyn was already there and she kills the young wife first. And then as the husband tries to fight her off, she's able to overpower him because he's very weak. It kills him as well. How bad does uh, that suck? <laughs> oh, it sucks so bad. You know, they were so close. All they had to do was pick the dude up and move him and they could have protected yeah. him that way. Yeah. Why All he had to do was maybe open up like the shower curtain because that's probably where she was hiding. Yeah. Bam. Could have had it. Where was she hiding? Because they nailed the floorboard shut. Like where else could you hide I in a cabin that's I think she was in the small, shower. Right? I mean, that's the only place she could hide. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Uh, so Al and Crenshaw uh, find they come back in because they heard screaming and they find the scene of the newlywed couple dead. Uh, Al goes to check on Tanya. Uh, he tells her he's going down to the tunnels and he tells Tanya to go to his car and lock herself in. See, now would be the time for them to have the conversation about how it's either us or it's them because she outsmarted yeah. them at this point. Yes. This is the point to panic and decide to go into the tunnels to hunt for her and to say that that's what you're going to do. Yes. Well, Crenshaw and Al decide and this is where I don't uh, agree with them either. Crenshaw and Al enter this tunnel separately from two different access points, which is dumb. You should stick together. Well, and uh, t- anybody who knows anything about tunnel fighting should also know that you basically want to flush out the way that they're doing it, but they wanted to have two people on each side. Yeah. You know, you got to have a group to watch each other's back. You got to have somebody on your six at all times in tunnel fighting. Exactly. Um, Tanya does lock herself in the car. Um, then we have some searching. Uh, we see the guy searching. We see Tanya freaking out in the car, and then we see Evelyn in the t- uh, in the in the tombs there or in the tunnels, and she's kind of being crazy. It's a lot of cat and mouse type stuff. Um, then we see Crenshaw is kind of sneaking, and Evelyn actually cuts off his hand and then kills him. Not a really great severed hand. It was very clearly a painted mannequin hand, but the yeah. paint job on the mannequin hand was actually pretty convincing. Yeah, but you could tell uh, it was a mannequin hand by the shape, and the actor sells the severed arm part really well. He does. He actually sells, he sells that pretty well of being in pain. Right. They cut uh, away fast enough from the hand. I had to pause it to take a look to kind of assess the situation because what else am I going to fucking talk about? Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to comment on it. <laughs> well, uh, the sheriff gets there and he finds Tanya who tells him what's happening, like all the different stuff that's happening. Um, the sheriff inspects the bloody bathroom and then she shows him the trap door. Uh, and the sheriff then himself goes in the tunnels. And then we get a lot more of this cat and mouse stuff, which is supposed to probably build, you know, some suspense, but it really doesn't. Goes on too long. Yeah, uh, but the tunnels are awesome, so I'll the let The tunnels that go. are cool looking, but it, I just didn't get, you know, if we could have been done suspenseful, it would have been great, but it just, it, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, they, you know, like the, the body reveals and everything is just a giant room. They could have had the bodies sort of like falling out of various places to yes. startle the guy like we've gotten with Friday the 13th or something. Anything. It, exactly. Well, and like you said, yeah, the sheriff finds those bodies. And then Evelyn attacks the sheriff. And during the fight, um, her sickle gets stuck in like one of the uh, one of the beams. Well, anyway, they fight some more and then those beams come loose and the sickle comes down and chops right into her throat. As the sheriff goes to examine her, she tries to fight him again, but just ends up dying. The sheriff comes out and tells Tanya that everyone's dead. She freaks until Al comes into the front door. They leave and as they drive away, they get to the they drive away in Al's car and then they get to the sheriff's car as they're all sitting in the sheriff's car Tanya's face looks super whoever did the makeup here I don't know what they were going to plan on doing but nothing came of it 
but it was super pale and like blacked out eyes. Yeah. Well, we also need to kind of talk about something here. The ending of the movie here, how uh, yeah. Evelyn gets killed. They reshot that on the urging of New World Pictures. Really? The original ending was the sheriff just shoots Evelyn and she dies and it's a little anticlimactic, which is why whenever the uh, executive guy who's pretending to be some like, you know, record company mogul shows up and says, I hit my head when I heard the shot and there was no shot that I can recall. Yeah. There was no gunshot. Yeah. There was only wrestling. So that's why he said that, but they didn't, you know. That's what, yeah, okay. That's what I, yeah, fucking yeah. heard too. Yeah. So there's that. And then they do drive up to the felled over tree and then they climb over the tree, which was a pretty cool sequence. It kind of reminded me of like, you know, them trying to get away and they're just so weary and tired at the end of the event, like getting into the boat to go out in the middle of the lake just to make sure that you're safe at the end yeah. of the Friday the 13th or something. Like it felt like that. And yeah. yeah, her look where she's supposed to be, I'm guessing she's inherited the crazy, quote unquote, because it's that same like sunk in eyes and everything. And yeah. do you remember there was like some girl that looked like Lori? It's gets Lori. Up. The ghost of Lori standing there watching them. Yeah. And she just is just there for like a brief second and they never come back to her. It's just like just nope. long enough for you to be like, what the what the fuck? Why was she even there? Exactly. Then the car drives away and we see the motel sign is lit up saying vacancy roll credits. All right, so this is a confusing and frustrating film for multiple reasons, but yes, there are some kernels of some really good ideas. There's some sequences that are actually pretty cool. It's just overall very clearly a group of filmmakers that are relatively inexperienced in making a horror film, taking a pot shot at the slasher earlier in the genre, making a narrow miss, reshooting a couple things to give it a little more gore and selling points, and then getting packaged up by New World and re-released. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's middle of the road at best and at worst it's um pretty long and padding and kind of out of order the way that it feels and some of the story elements don't quite work this is rife for a really good remake i mean you could do some really cool stuff with this oh wait it was called vacancy they already did it <laughs> i don't know if i've ever seen that one it wasn't an old woman running around killing people but it was basically spoiler alert tunnels in a hotel and people getting killed that way oh well holy shit yeah it was almost exactly the same uh, the tunnels sequences and the way that the tunnels looked i felt like maybe that's where Rob Zombie stole the idea from for uh, House of a Thousand Corpses whenever they send them underground. I could totally see that, yeah. Because it really feels like that, and I felt like... It does. The, I felt like the tunnel should have come up through the house and stuff some more, too, you know, in, in House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, instead of that. having to dump them in the middle of a field, you could just dump them in the house or something. Right, like there should have been a start of it there or something like that, or, or what have you. I don't I don't know, but anyway, we're not reviewing that fucking movie. We're reviewing this fucking movie. Um, <laughs> so, as much as I found it, like, frustrating and irritating, there was several things about the film that I really kind of enjoyed and that's why I started doing the deeper dive. So this guy that made this film made Old Yeller? Really? <laughs> yeah, or no, Where the Red Fern Grows. He did the old school movie of Where the Red Fern Grows, I, I think is what it was. It was one of oh, those. Okay. One of those. It wasn't the Disney one, but it was the independently made dog movie. So I think it's Where the Red Fern Grows. Um, he did a bunch of other movies like that. He's just basically an independent filmmaker in the Deep South. He gathered together the best actors that he could get his hands on from various theater backgrounds and stuff like that in uh, Louisiana. They shot this in an abandoned fishing camp. That's what all those cabins are. It's like super abandoned fishing camp that's like on the verge of like Shreveport, like uh, some lake there that's like the main water supply for Shreveport. And they had to go in and fix up all of those cabins to make them look somewhat habitable. So as bad as that place looks and as fucked up and run down as that place looks, they actually cleaned it up and painted it to try and make it look a little bit better. Holy shit. Yeah, just just picture how bad it looked before they got in there oh, and did some production. It must have been horrendous. 
this. Yeah, all the underground stuff, the sets that they built, they actually built it out in the open, like in a field or something like that, and then you know had tarps over it and everything to to sell it as being underground. Um, that production design is actually really incredible. Like I that those tunnels were awesome. I thought they just found some tunnels and just used them and shot them. But no, they fucking built them. Damn, that's not bad. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, for a very early in the cycle of slasher films, of like even some of the earliest slasher films from this time frame of like the earliest part of the 80s, like 81 to 83, when it's really starting to swing, you know, into full gear, there's plenty of these like miss one-off type slasher flicks that just didn't quite hit right or even work right. But, you know, the formula that was going to be 100% successful hadn't been established. They did release this as Mountaintop Motel, and then it got released as... Um, Mountaintop Motel Nightmare or Nightmare at Mountaintop Motel or something along those lines. I can't remember what the other title was. And that was like locally in like Louisiana and in the South. I think they played drive-ins and stuff like that. And they were looking to do some other distribution. And so that's where New World Pictures come in. That's Roger Corman's group. They forced them to reshoot the ending because obviously just watching your killer get shot isn't enough of a death. And they were right. That was a spectacular ending of the death, even though the overdubbing of them wrestling wasn't that great. And the actual like fighting back and forth, you could tell he was trying to be gentle for that poor old woman. But when the beam falls and chops her neck, that was a very fitting death for someone that was doing what she was doing. Yes. Um, the big downfall of this is it's like 57 minutes before she starts actually killing people and not just tormenting them. The buildup is unbearable. Yeah, it takes too goddamn long, man. It takes for fucking ever. And if they did the escalation right, where she's slowly tormenting them, where she checks somebody in and then she crawls over to their cabin and unleashes something for them to be attacked by, you know, creatures or whatever to be startled later at the night as she starts to check them in, that would be pretty fucking cool. You yeah. Know? And like, also, why not build some tension where she's fucking around underneath and then she hears the bell ringing because somebody else came to check in and she's not used to her hotel being this busy and, you know, she tries to keep it together. There's plenty of things that they could have done with this actress who plays Evelyn and she's actually quite good at what she does. Now, apparently the production designer that was involved in this film is the guy that brought Evelyn in or, or had introduced them to Evelyn or had known Evelyn for a very long time. So he was able to tell some stories about this. She did not like making this kind of film at all. She did not enjoy the gore. She didn't enjoy the violence and all of that kind of stuff. But she soldiered on and she troopered her way through it and did it and was actually pretty convincing and pretty horrifying on screen and, and did a really good job. I mean, this film would completely fail if it weren't for her. Yeah, I think so. She did a great job of acting nutty. Yeah, so it's like middle of the road slasher. It's not even the worst slasher that I've ever seen. You know, it's just there. It exists. It's kind of cool. I would almost say like you could probably fast forward through until the killings just start and then just watch it there. Maybe pause for any time they're underground just to appreciate how beautiful those sets are and really well built. But otherwise, it may not even really be worth your time if you don't even want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm not so sure I'll ever watch this one again. Uh, this is not one I'd probably, you know, maybe in a group setting where, you know, for all if people are just going to riff on it or make fun of it and have fun, maybe then. But yeah. not something I choose to watch a second time. Yeah. The best part about this is definitely the production design and then also the poster that New World Pictures created of her grabbing onto a door number 13 with blood on her hands and looking all crazy. That was the selling point. I remember seeing the cover of this movie forever in video stores when I was a kid out throughout all of the country. And um, we kind of mentioned it, so I'll bring it up here too. These mountaintop motel type things do exist. Um, where I grew up, there were plenty of these like a little individual cabin type motels where there would be an office that was literally just somebody's house, you know, like or an old farmhouse. And then they would just basically 
pop up a bunch of like quick cabins that had like joined plumbing or something like that. Or sometimes in the cases of the older versions of them, that's just an outhouse or a bathhouse that you'd have to walk to from your individual cabins to use the restroom and shower. They would do these on their farmland to bring in a little extra money and they would just be right by the road that you would pull off. And they were usually somewhere on a mountain where I grew up. There was just a couple right up the road from where I lived. There was a few of them that were like these little clusters of the motels and uh, the migrant workers that would come to pick apples or work in farmers fields in the summer stayed in all of them. They got filled up and that's how they made their money throughout the season. Some of the farmers that owned those were also the farmers that had the fields that the migrant workers would work in. And sometimes they would double dip and making money from the folks by making them pay for a place to stay while they worked for them. Well, there you go. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah. So this is like a cultural thing that these types of little like bungalow hotel things, they do exist. And they're not just motor lodge styles. They're specifically like farmers would put them at the front part of their land as closest to the road to bring in a little extra money. Yeah. Um, And then sometimes in the case of like a mountaintop area where this is supposed to be, which it's clearly no mountains around anywhere in any of this. No, no. (laughs) It's it's the lowlands of of Shreveport, Louisiana and stuff. Um, but you know, those types of things where you would basically get up to a mountain and then like, you want to, you know, stop for the night. Well, this was the closest thing that was on your, your route. So it's right there on the highway. I mean, just makes sense. Yeah. All right. So that's pretty much it. I got nothing else to talk about with this Yeah, I got, I got nothing on this one. All right. Well, we're going to take another break here. We're going to play a promo for a podcast that really wishes it would have been included on a better film. Have a little bit more music befitting of Mountaintop Motel Massacre. And when we come back, we will do some PSYOP news. Are you sick of the same old? stale podcasts well then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds the two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites curiosities and first time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. (laughs) And still, they just might be a little contagious.
So it's a song about mountains and heavy hearts, and it's sad and tragic, and I think it fits. It, it works as, about as well as you're so. going to get for, you know, crazy lady killing people in a motel that has a bunch of tunnels that were dug by uh, what I assume are, you know, distillery hey, folks that hey, are hey, homie, yeah. we already did the review, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I can condense it down to this little mini review here, trying to pad out the episode before we get to, guess what? What's that? Give me some psyop news. No surprise here. This one comes from Robert Ward. <laughs> He's been posting like the most interesting stories so far. He really has. He's done a really good job. Yeah. This is uh, the Daily Star. Drunk scientist caught having sex with corpse in autopsy room after footy win. Yay. Good for you, buddy. <laughs> uh, a forensic scientist has been fired on suspicion of having sex with a dead body after a cop allegedly walked in on him in the act. Corpse fucking. Allegedly yeah. walked in or just decided he didn't want to participate anymore. Oh, dude. Corpse fucking. Uh, local media report. Uh, Wanderly Dos Santos Silva, 52, was fired from the Institute of Legal Medicine for allegedly having sex with a corpse in the city of Manas in the northwestern Brazilian state of Amazonas. I'm advocating corpse fucking here. Necrophilia <laughs> can be overlooked. <laughs> According uh, to local media reports, an officer from the Department of Forensic Police had had gone into the autopsy room in order to collect additional information about a dead woman when he allegedly found Silva having sex with the body. Silva is said to have pulled his trousers up and fled the scene after realizing he had been spotted. Want to hop on some dick after that? <laughs> I mean, I like dick. <laughs> Uh, the case was immediately reported to the Department of Forensic Police, and Silva, along with an, un an unnamed colleague, were immediately fired for serious functional faults. Well, he also had a defense that didn't quite work. What's that? Vagina smells like dead body. Yeah, that does. That's not going to do it for you. <laughs> no. uh, the uh, Secretary of Public Security said the pair are suspected of having gone out to celebrate their football team, Flamingo, winning the Copa de Libertadores, and returned to the Institute of Legal Medicine drunk. Finger bang a girl with a corpse hand. <laughs> Silva then allegedly caught with the corpse in the early hours of the in the following morning. The loving three-way with a corpse? A police case into necrophilia has been launched. Uh, local lawyer Penelope uh, Anthony told reporters that Silva could face between one and three years in prison if found guilty Old of having sex with dummies. You can't pay a bail? Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. Why is it illegal to bang a corpse? I, I, you're talking to the wrong person. I wouldn't know. <laughs> You'd have to probably talk to some. I would say there's definitely some moral problems there. Well, okay, it's not his property, first of all, because he's going into this field of medicine and he's banging a corpse there, and he can yeah. contaminate their specimens, so he's destroying their property. But an inanimate object is not a person, and a dead person is an inanimate object. Maybe, but it, it's I don't know, man. He it didn't, could be desecration he, of a dead body. Yeah, desecration of a corpse sure yeah. okay that's fine but how are they gonna know unless they catch you in the act that's true but i mean it's the same way as vandalism it's you know same way as you know doing a lot of different horror into shit how are they gonna know unless they catch you but like would you get charged if you were a person that fucks a couch as long as it's your couch that you own it is that okay or what if you fuck a car if it was in a public place i think that's the problem 
Right. So okay. They're so, in their office. Right. So he can't fuck his couch in his office. Yeah. That's fine. But could he take the couch out to a nice dinner? <laughs> I, I, I find it really bad, dude, that I, I have to take up this stance against you here, okay? What? I'm just saying, like, it's an inanimate object, and I know that it's not his property, but like... Court, are you having sex with corpses or not? <laughs> my attorney has advised me not to answer that question. Which one? <laughs> All five of them. Fuck. Hey, I'm down to five now. Hey, that's nice, though. You're cutting back. Yeah, I had a coven of lawyers for a while. <laughs> Brazilian police have yet to confirm that Silva has been formally arrested. Oh, well, Shock. it's in Brazil. It's in Brazil. So, like, I can see where they would have laws against necrophilia in Brazil, but there shouldn't be any in the States. I'm just saying. I, I, I don't know what you're saying there. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I'm just trying to start a lobby here. I want to get a super pack of corpse fuckers. I'm advocating corpse fucking here. Uh, shockingly, necrophilia was not a, a criminal offense fence in the uk until 2003 what i should have been there the whole time i know right you missed your chance Ah. since the drafting of the sexual offenses act in 2003 the offense can carry a tariff of up to two years imprisonment if tried in a crown court okay so they had to make a specific law barring corpse fucking in the uk because of corpse fucking happening in the uk like this was a pandemic maybe they don't say (laughs) all i know is the uk just went up in my estimation up until they made this fucking law. I mean, really though? Necrophilia can be overlooked. It should be. <laughs> I guess, yeah. It's a victimless crime for the most part. Oh, Jesus. Woo! I, victimless crime though? I don't know, man. I'm it's advocating still... corpse fucking here. I'm advocating corpse fucking here. I'm advocating corpse fucking here. We know! Corpse fucking. We're well aware. <laughs> We're well aware of what you're into. Oh, whatever. Come on. Get on with the story here. Or are we done with that one? That's it. That's it. That's the story. Uh, I think we're going to need another one to kind of pad out this episode right. just a little bit more. Oh, this one's from The Witch. Uh, and uh, from CNET, penis fish flood California beach. And yeah, that's messed up. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so this one's from CNET. It's more of editorial. But yes, uh, a bunch of... So the person states that they were having a pretty normal Friday when all of a sudden they were thrust into a seemingly not safe for work social media hellscape of weird photos showing strange animals that resemble something from the human male anatomy zone and throw the back to dicks throw in the face a penis fish and you have his attention i mean i like dick <laughs> bay nature's ask the naturalist column is on the case of the thousands of 10 inch wiggly pink sausages recently spotted on Drake's Beach in Northern California's Point Reyes National Seashore. Oh, I actually have a clip of someone talking about that on the news. At, oh, yeah, what's that? Yeah. And there's a lot of wang around. Always looking for wang. Yeah, yeah, those uh, those are important news uh, people you want to listen to there. My dick and balls are worth a lot more than $60. Well, I mean, I would hope so. Uh, I mean, I like dick. We know. Uh, I'm taking here. another dick. <laughs> Despite the common name penis fish floated about, you Urichis capo is actually the kind of marine worm. The animals usually have the good sense to stay hidden from uh, prudent human eyes. Uh, they state that innkeeper worms build U-shaped burrows in the muddy sand of low-zone mudflats. Uh, these fine innkeepers maintain lodgings for their buddies in the mud. Shut up. Are you talking about penises? Yeah. <laughs> the aquarium says the worm creates a slime net to trap food. And it then swallows the food and the slime all together. 
It calls this tidbit of knowledge a cool fact. Sure, for Monterey Bay Aquarium. Sure. It always comes back to dick. YouTuber Kim Powell posted an eye-catching video of a fat innkeeper worms on the California beach in 2016. So if anybody wants to check out this article the witch posted, there's a video in there of one of these worms in action. Hey, bro, I can't get it up. There is a scientific explanation for the odd phenomenon of having so many penis fishes congregating in one place. The worms seen on Drake's beach in early December were exposed by a strong storm, so they must have been washed up on sea. I have the most confused direction right now. Shut up. Are you talking about penises? So it's not the fat innkeeper's worm's fault. It looks the way it does, but it's also okay to snicker a little bit, so have at it. Shoot some fucking ropes. Shooting a fucking hot load all over this dog. And that's it. There's why why there are dicks washing up in California. (laughs) Also, there's always dicks washing up in California. (laughs) It is California. Yeah, and we're back today. <laughs> All right, yeah, we're both like losing enthusiasm. This is just going to be a shorter episode, I suppose, because I, I got nothing else, and I'm not going to try and pat it out with one more story. All right, sounds good. All right, we're going to play the Ending Legion promo ad. We'll have a little bit more music befitting of Mountaintop Motel Massacre. And when we come back, we will close out this fucking padded out over long show, which represents the film that we just reviewed. Yes. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.
shit, that fits way better than I thought. I just picked it because it said crazy, but he's talking about being guided by voices and all of that other kind of stuff, doing the crazy shit that he does. Yeah, man, that's that really does work out really well. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like I fucking planned it that way, and I didn't just pick it at random really, really quick so we could get this recording out of the way for your fucking sports ball game tomorrow. You know, if you would have said all that, they probably would have believed it. Yeah, but I'm giving everybody the behind the scenes all the time, man. I mean, Jesus, you're such a whore. Sometimes. <laughs> Speaking of whoring myself out, there is a landing and launching page where you can find out just how much of a whore I can be. Legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. That is where you're going to be able to find all of our previous episodes, all 227 previous episodes. We're on 228 this week. Jesus fucking Christ. Fucking amazing. We have a group on Facebook, which you would mostly have for Facebook groups, is Cinema Psyops, where you can find myself and Matt. Matt's only on there when we're recording and not doing what he should be doing. Exactly. I myself am Court Psyops on Facebook, and Matt is Matt Psyop on Facebook. You can also email feedback to us, psyopmatt at gmail.com to let Matt know that he's doing okay with the clips. He just needs to do a little bit better because you miss how good Court is at it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Tell him a little humility goes a long way, you fucking egomaniac. <laughs> you can tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate-filled shit-fest white nationalist-infested Twitter. I'm at court underscore psyop, and he is at psyopmat. We also are available on Instagram, and by we, I mean me, because I'm the one who runs that shit just like this podcast. It's cinema underscore psyops, and yes, I will post funny memes there, as well as pictures of my cats, because that's just who I am. Also, it gets the most clicks and likes and, and hearts and all that kind of shit on there. It's the internet, internet and cats, name a more iconic duo. Yeah, you were joking last week about how I'm an influencer. Well, I got an email from a company that wanted me to be an influencer based on the likes and stuff that I was getting on Instagram. Really? Yeah. Uh, What'd it was, you say? I don't know. It was automated and I didn't respond and I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't buy this. I'm pretty <laughs> dubious about your ability to get me a record contract if I shed my skin. <laughs> Come on, man. You don't know what could happen for you. Yeah, but I've seen what happens for you whenever that sort of thing goes on, and it's called Mountaintop Motel Massacre, and it was not good for anyone. <laughs> well, folks, hopefully your holidays will be better for you, and as well as this week that you will kick the fuck out of and make it your bitch. Check. Corpse fucking. Check. Corpse fucking. Check. Corpse fucking. Corpse fucking. Check. Corpse fucking. Check. Corpse fucking. Check. Corpse fucking. Check. If you are able to hear your own voice, then you have configured Skype correctly. If you hear this message, but not your own voice, then something is wrong with your audio recording settings. Please check your microphone and microphone settings or visit Skype.com for more help. Thank you for using the Skype call testing service. Goodbye. 
Talk to me, Daddy. And that is Matt's first officially edited clip. Yeah. I mean, you it's even a- you even did the normalizing and the limiting, but you messed it up on this one. The other ones were folk. Okay, though. Oh, okay. This one got messed up. Yeah, you had you didn't limit the the final thing is always limit. Whenever you do normalize limiter, you can do it a couple oh, times. Oh, so normalize you, first, limit second. Limit second. Yeah. All the other ones you did it that way, but this one okay. for whatever reason you didn't. No big deal. Uh, I didn't, not your fault. I didn't tell you. <laughs> Again, I'm well, creating okay. outtakes talking about the behind the scenes stuff of the show. <laughs> of this, not even the behind the scenes stuff of the movie, behind the scenes stuff of this show. Yeah, there's going to be all sorts of behind the scenes. I'm getting behind all sorts of scenes. <laughs> mm, gonna get behind them scenes, huh? <laughs> As we've already established, courts like a juicy booty. Yeah. <laughs>